You're listening to an excerpt from The Case for United Prayer, a compilation of works by Jonathan Edwards, Samuel Prime, and Richard Cross. The chapter you are about to hear provides a detailed account of the Third Great Awakening that began in New York City in 1857 and spread throughout the world. Chapter 6 The Religious Press The religious press caught the spirit of the day and the occasion and spoke out as one voice in the tone of the prevailing and coming interest, and much more in the beams of the light which was now breaking upon the world. Going back to this period, one paper says, We are doing no more than we should always do and can easily do consistently with the performance of every duty. Have a few weak prayers brought such a blessing and shall we desist from praying? So long as the promise stands, ask, and it shall be given you. So long as we know that our God fainteth not, neither is weary. So long as the fields are white to the harvest of immortal souls, shall we cease calling upon God? Another says, Shall the work cease? Shall a revival of religion, in some respects the most remarkable the church has ever enjoyed, come to an end because it is no longer winter but summer? As though the grace of God were like some compounds that can endure only one climate, no one can think that God chooses to have it so. The church, or more truly individual churches, have often made what might be called exhaustive efforts for the conversion of sinners. They have taxed to the utmost for a few weeks both soul and body of every earnest man they could enlist. Such efforts must be relaxed. Flesh and blood cannot sustain them. But the present revival has had no such history. The church is still fresh, and may labor on indefinitely, just as she has been laboring, and that without sinning against any law of mental or physical health. This revival has not overtaxed us, it has only toned us up. It has brought religion into alliance with our ordinary engagements. It has given to our social character a completeness and balance which it never had before. So far as it has gone, it is an advance towards soundness and strength, and to fall back from it is not to rest after labor, but to be palsied. And another. The awakening is not only progressing in unabated power throughout the country as a whole, and not only extending into new regions where it has hitherto been less felt, but in this city, if we are not deceived, the real earnestness of the churches for a continuance of the work is manifesting itself in more deliberate and far-reaching plans for carrying forward permanent labors of the kind so signally blessed. We must shake off old habits of mind and arouse ourselves earnestly to the unprecedented demands of the time. God never called any former generation of men on this earth as we are now called. There was preparation all over the city and all over the land. God had made it. And men began to see it, and to look upward. Early in February, it was felt that these retreating hundreds who came to the place of prayer in Fulton Street and could not get in, must be accommodated elsewhere. The old John Street Methodist Church, only one square removed, was thrown open for noon prayer meetings by our Methodist brethren and the whole body of the church was immediately filled every day at noon with businessmen who would come and did come to pray. The galleries, too, were occupied all round the church, chiefly by ladies. 
no denominational element seemed to be prominent one above another. No one could have told who had come in a stranger from the character of the meeting, whether it was held in a Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, or Congregationalist church, or that of any other denomination. It was found at once that the audience room was insufficient, and the basement lecture room was opened and immediately filled. It was estimated that 2,000 persons attended upon these services daily. There were now five regular noonday services, three in the Fulton Street and two in the John Street churches, and yet hundreds would go away, unable to get into any of them. So much were men moved to prayer. Answers to prayer came down speedily, and multitudes were now turning to God and seeking Him with all their heart. On the 17th of March, Burton's Old Theatre in Chambers Street was opened by a number of merchants in that vicinity for a noonday prayer meeting. This was thronged to excess after the first meeting. For half an hour before the time to commence the services, the old theatre would be crowded to its utmost capacity in every nook and corner with most solemn and deeply affected audiences. The streets and all means of access were blocked up before the hour of prayer commenced, and hundreds would stand in the street during the hour. This continued to be the case until the building was required by the United States courts when the further use of it for prayer meetings ceased. Immediately, a store, number 69 Broadway, second story, was procured and comfortably fitted up for the purpose of prayer meetings. The room was 25 by 100 feet, and this, from day to day, was filled, and the exercises were solemn beyond description. After a time, the Broadway meeting was removed to number 175 of the same street. Here it was sustained by Christians in that part of the city of all denominations. We shall never forget being present at one of those meetings when it was conducted in the usual manner by the Right Reverend Bishop McIlvain of Ohio. We shall never forget the earnestness of his opening prayer when he kneeled down on the floor and led the devotions. So humble, so urgent, so importunate, so believing, so imbued with the revival spirit. We shall never forget his short, eloquent closing address, full of deep emotion full of brotherly kindness, full of thankfulness and joy. It described the work of grace as it lay in his own mind. It recognized the hand of God in its inception and every step of its progress. It rejoiced at the spirit of grace and supplication which had been poured out on all Christians. That address will long live in the memories of those who heard it. And besides these, other meetings were established in almost every part of New York and the surrounding cities. The great features of all these meetings were union and prayer and corresponding effort. A careful inquiry in regard to the facts convinces us that not less than 150 meetings for prayer in this city and Brooklyn were held daily at the time of which we are now writing. All without one single exception, partaking of the same general character.
You've been listening to an excerpt from the Case for United Prayer, a ministry of sermonaudio.com. The purpose of this book is simply to inspire and invigorate God's people to take up the same mantle in our own generation and to give ourselves continually to prayer. Remembering God's marvelous works in the past enlarges our faith in the place of prayer and gives us bright hope for the future. May God bless this humble attempt.